Welcome back to the 430 Movie. We got our expert programmers here to curate Fantasy Theme Week's of classic film from 1998 film directed by Steven Soderbergh called Out of Sight yes Soderbergh directs it with such a sort of confident self-assured style Lex Luthor in Superman what is it about Gene Hackman that uh... his performance it's off the charts but still in reality fiendishly gifted 1981 Sam Raimi Opus The Evil Dead oh yes fine choice Sam Raimi invented entirely new ways to get shots that should not have been possible with the amount of money that he did not have charade oh directed by Stanley Donnan it's a textbook screenplay it's just effortless and there's not a wrong note in this movie can't say enough great things about it we'll be back next Friday with an all new episode of the 430 movie wherever you listen to podcasts join us now for the 430 Movie. The 430 Movie Podcast is available weekly wherever you listen to podcasts and on the free Electric Now app. Download it today. Hello and welcome to Best Movies Never Made, the podcast where we talk about interesting and infamous movies that never made it to or through production. Most of the time, the movies you're trying to make don't get made. Like, four of them may happen, one of them may happen, none of them may yeah. happen, and I'll be attached to three more things by end of summer. Turn the script into something resembling like Unforgiven with Conan. Yeah. Sadly, the rights expired and the whole thing just like went away oh. overnight. New episodes will be available every other Monday. We won't see you at the movies. Best Movies Never Made, as featured in Entertainment Weekly, is available wherever you listen to podcasts and on the free Electric Now app. If you think you felt a great disturbance in the force, you're not wrong. Ed Gross and me, Mark A. Altman, have a new oral history from St. Martin's Press. It's Secrets of the Force, the complete, uncensored, unauthorized oral history of the Star Wars saga. So wherever you buy books, audio and video, pick it up today and you can learn the secrets of the force and don't miss our oral history of star trek in stores now and of course nobody does it better the complete oral history of james bond in digital hardcover paperback and audio that is all Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Dockerman. And we are the Inglorious Transperts. And this week, it's why season one and season two of Next Generation don't totally suck. Tonight, the 24th century begins. Welcome to the Enterprise. In a special world premiere movie, Star Trek, The Next Generation. Ready for departure, sir. Engage. 78 years have passed since the days of the original USS Enterprise. Now a new galaxy starship has been designed with a new team of highly skilled Federation explorers. Starfleet Captain Jean-Luc Picard, Commander Riker, Executive Officer, Chief Medical Officer Crusher, and her brilliant son, Wesley, Lieutenant Commander Data, an android, the telepathic Troy, Geordi, a man with unique vision, Security Officer Yar, and Klingon Officer Worf. Shields and deflectors up, sir. Go to yellow alert. Their first mission, investigate a new star base on planet Denim 4. Thou art directed to return to thine own solar system immediately. A hostile alien threatens the crew. Now go back, or thou shalt most certainly die. 
but they're determined to finish their mission. Arm aft photon torpedoes. Place them on ready status. Hostile is now beginning to overtake us, sir. Together, they stand trial before a merciless court. You will now answer to the charge of being a grievously savage race. Now, they have 24 hours to uncover the secrets of a strange world. They're firing on far points, sir. The classic legend begins an all-new adventure. Let's see what's out there. Star Trek, the next generation. Indeed. That's a great title for an episode. <laughs> and, 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 and joining us is uh, Trexpert extraordinaire, the great, talented showrunner of Dota Dragon's Blood, which recently came back for its second season and is setting the world on fire, on fire, which Dragon is what fire. Dragon's Fire does, um, presumably. And uh, it's Ashley Edward Miller. He's back. I am back from outer space. I was going to say, are you in the con or the ops position? Uh, you know, I like the con position, but if you're in it too long, after a while, you're like, you know what? I need to change it up. So, honey, let's try ops. Uh, <laughs> or you could be like uh, Chekhov at the, at the tactical station. That's right. <laughs> or one of those guys standing in the Chekhov? back by the turbo oh, lifts to clear the bridge. <laughs> you really want to clear the bridge, serve burritos for lunch. They're, they're in the standby seats. That's right. They've never had they never had burritos. They, you know, there's no ethnic cuisine on the it's enterprise. Well, there's, there's like chicken, chicken sandwich sandwiches and, and coffee, coffee. <laughs> you know, and 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 you know, I'm surprised. I'm surprised people aren't protesting Star Trek well, because no, of there, the lack of a, ethnic cuisine. There was a whole uh, Starfleet so white thing going on. Was there? Was there? No, there I was. missed that one. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Anyway. Isn't it amazing that we believed you? <laughs> I know we did, didn't we? <laughs> Just that didn't totally. we? Did you see the Playmates announced some new toys today? Oh, toys. Where do they yeah, get those? I don't, I don't really care. Yeah, I, honestly. I don't know. <laughs> they look a lot like the toys we bought in the 90s. Yeah. You know, and KB good, Toy I, and Hobby. Yeah. Oh, I remember yeah, that. Toys are us. Remember those. A lot, I, look, lot, of, lot of TOS. Brian I Drew, still, our good friend Brian have... Drew, tweeted. It's very interesting to see with all the new shows. TOS seems they seem to be leaning into that because that seems to be the thing that Constantly what, you sells. Mean, you mean kids aren't watching Discovery where they always yell fuck? Yeah, I guess not. Uh, well, so, that's like being at my house, which I guess is just like a living Discovery episode. But. You know, I think, um, you know, it was interesting because I, I you know, I, I know we love TOS, obviously, <laughs> but I, I was really and I've said this before, really surprised at that um, Las Vegas convention at the uh, the Creation Grand Slam or whatever it's called now, the uh, right. 55 year mission uh, last when, August. when they when we were asked to reveal the winners of the most popular Star Trek series and given the envelopes, the sealed envelopes, and that it was TOS and TNG were number one and number two. And yeah. that was not, you know, that was thousands and thousands of people they surveyed. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I feel that as much as, you know, people keep trying to put the kibosh on, you know, the kibosh, uh, uh, the kibosh on uh, the kibosh, the kibosh, the, the kibosh Declan on the, the kibosh. <laughs> on 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 you know uh the original and uh and and and, and next year it's it just people the love is there the love remains i believe the term is kibosh doctor the kibosh <laughs> <laughs> you know also a race of aliens i i i <laughs> it's an amazing race i was gonna say the kibosh ritual is supposed right. to purge one of all remaining emotions it's supposed a to purge one of everything I broke by coming here that's right so um <laughs> 
Anyway, well, listen, we're going to talk about next generation. I, you know, this is something, you know, I've talked about Star Trek once or twice in the past uh, on different documentaries and books and thingamabobs over alcohols with my good friends, Darren Dockerman, Ashley Miller, and many of our other guests. And um, one of the things we talk about, you know, it's sort of a given that season one and season two were, you know, awful. And then Michael Pillar came. This is this is the, the, the mythology of Star Trek. That's the mythology. And, and, right. and, 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 and made it Star Trek great again, right? Um, but That's the popular version. What, what I think, in a way, looking back now, 30-something years later, season one and season two kind of get a bad rap, not because they were particularly good, but it, it did some really out there things. They were trying things. They were trying things. And, and as Ashley will tell you, the first season of any TV show is a very delicate time. It's very mm-hmm. hard to get it right, you know, and Star Trek, the next generation, even more so because it was trying not to be Star Trek, but at the same time appealed to the Star Trek fans. And, and trying to was... catch lightning in a bottle again. So it was a real it was a real challenge. And um, Gene was dealing with a bunch of writers, everyone who thought they knew Star Trek if not as much as him, better than him. Right. So you also have a lot of people who are fighting you on every little decision, every little command. Um, uh, they're pushing. And uh, people know they <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about season one and two and see if we can find, as we say, this is a show that celebrates the love. I, I'm proud of that, as opposed to sitting on bashing on things as so many podcasts do. Dr. Pasher. Uh, where, where they, they just uh, they just say how shitty things are. Um, we like to find the good in everything but Star Trek 3. And uh, <laughs> no, that's not true. That's unfair. And, There's a and, lot of stuff we don't well. like to find the good in. And, uh, and so I want to look back at season one and two. And so tell me what worked. You know, it was interesting because it's been a long time since I watched some of these episodes. I tried to go back and watch a couple episodes. And it was really interesting to, to see the tone of the shows. And what I realized Michael Pillar did so successfully, which in no way do I want to diminish what, what, what his accomplishment by, you know, but, but uh, he realized, and I think this is the biggest thing that Star Trek need to be about the characters or as they would say, our characters. And right. what I saw in the first and second season were a lot of shows, which were about the guest star. Yep. Yeah. That weren't about our characters. I mean, I, just for instance, one episode I looked at, was uh, called Too Short a Season. This was the one with Clayton Rohner, who's right. an ambassador who's summoned to, to negotiate a terrorist uh, incident. Even that seems so un-Star Trek-y. Like, oh, terrorists have taken uh, a bunch of Star uh, of Star Trek. We need a me- mediator to negotiate. Um, and you know, he's rapidly becoming younger. He's taken a drug to become younger to, to negotiate. But it's all about him. Right. And everyone's standing around listening to him and, and there's a scene where Troy and uh, uh, and Crusher are just like consoling the wife who's upset because her husband is, you know, basically devoted to his work. And he, he thought in their old age that she would get him back, you know, well, and we've, we've talked about this method before <laughs> because it's, it's very much the, uh, the structure of uh, let's say gun smoke mm-hmm. where um, we, we had our, you know, regular characters around, but the story was actually about this newcomer, whoever it was. And it was their story that, uh, you know, our regular characters would frame. And I think that that is the closest sort of uh, 
uh, connection I can find to these er- early mm. episodes. That's a great well, point. Yeah, that's that's a very um, procedural approach, right? Like, and it's one of the things that makes me crazy about procedurals. It, it, at some point, you basically have all your main characters standing around while the guest star carries the drama. Yeah. Um, which to me is just, it's just not my cup of tea. Um, I don't find it super compelling. And I, I think you're right that that's what was happening. And it's, it's funny, I hadn't thought of it that way before, Mark. But and I think when we kind of get into the specific episodes, we'll see it. But now that I'm mentally going through the episodes that feel like standouts to me from the first and second season, they're the ones that are about the main cast. Right. Yeah. What I found, which was so interesting, was I found um, Patrick as Picard, who, who I think is terrific in, uh, in the show, obviously, not very good in those, in, particularly in the first season. Correct. Because he was always very petulant and yelly. And it was like, because he didn't have a character to play. And he's a spectator. He's a spectator. That's a great point. So not only was he surrendering all the time, which is the the, the joke, but I, I looked at another episode. Um, we'll always have Paris, you right. know, and, uh, you know, again, you know, sort of a play on the Casablanca that he um, had this, you know, passionate love affair and didn't show up at this cafe in Paris uh, where Michelle Phillips was supposedly waiting for him. So I, I hated him already. I'm like, how could you not show up if <laughs> Michelle Phillips is waiting for you? But, um, but, but, you know, he at the beginning, you know, they say, oh, there's these weird time things going on. And Dr. Paul Mannheim is behind it. And, you know, apparently this is the, the guy that Michelle Phillips married. And he's like just moping. And then yeah. you get these, these uh, you know, moments with, with Troy, which are unbearable. I feel you're upset, you know, <laughs> and it's yeah. like, of course, he, and then she and, and then and she confronts him on the way to the turbo lift and says, I need to talk to you. And, and, and he says, well, let's talk right here. She said, I think we should do it in private. He said, no, let's do it here because we don't want to move the camera to another set. Right. So, <laughs> and, 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 and she says, I feel there's something going on here that you're you're upset. And he says, don't tell me. And then she's the counselor. She says, well, I think you need to talk about whatever this is. And, and maybe you should take the next two hours before we have to deal with this weird time phenomena uh, to figure it out. And so, you know, here we have time repeating these hiccups in time. And what does Picard do? He goes to the holodeck to, uh, yeah. to reenact, you know, this doomed love affair right. and, and, and plays around with these really bad actors who are you know, doing these horrible French accents. And, um, <laughs> But maybe that's how it really was. He went like in the future of France is just filled with people who have really terrible French accents. You don't know. But it was so interesting. You know, it's so funny because it's kind of like we are with TOS. We remember the great episodes, right? Which colors our view of the entire series. And with Next Generation, I think it's people remember the best of both worlds. And they remember, you know, all these great episodes. There are in seven seasons. There are so many terrible episodes. That people well, just don't think about. We remember all, you know, 72 of the great episodes of original series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I want to talk about some episodes. Uh, specifically, I think the thing that gives us an interesting perspective, you know, because we're old, um, is we remember when this was on originally, which is Absolutely. actually an experience we didn't have with the original series. And a lot of people who are commentating on Star Trek don't have because they grew up on it and said, Kate, well, in later syndication, well, yeah. right. um, stripped. A yeah. lot of people talk about, oh, yeah, my parents watched it when I was a, a kid. And it's like, oh, shit. shut up. Um, but, <laughs> but I remember one episode in particular, which was the episode where people felt, oh, 
um, maybe the show can find it, it. It's it's not so bad. And there were a couple of those in the first season because people were so desperate to hang on by their fingernails to something good because they'd watch Farpoint, which isn't very good. The Naked Now, which is worse. Mm-hmm. Sir, I'm getting very strange reports from all decks. Such as? Such as the ship's training division ordering all officers to attend a lecture on metaphysics. Metaphysics? Confirmed, sir. And there was a rather peculiar limerick being delivered by someone in the shuttlecraft bay. I am not sure I understand it. There was a young lady from Venus whose body was shaped like a... Captain to security, come in! Did I say something wrong? I don't understand their humor either. (laughs) Yeah, Captain. Where is my security chief? Get me Lieutenant Yard. Keep your britches on. Captain Picard. Lieutenant, where are you? I'm in my quarters and um, I'm pretty busy right at the moment, Jean-Luc. All right, Lieutenant. You just stay right there. Data, go to Lieutenant Yard. Take her down to sickbay. Yes, sir. Captain to security. I want all your senior supervisors to report to the bridge immediately. And and then Code of Honor, which is which, uh, hot garbage. <laughs> <laughs> and and then the last outpost, which is embarrassing. Yeah. So um, it, we came to where no one has gone before, which introduced yeah. the character, the, the, traveler. the traveler. It also was the first episode directed by a real director, Rob Bowman, who actually knew how to use the camera as opposed to the directors that had preceded him. All stop. Answering all stop, Captain. According to the instruments, sir, our speed never exceeded warp 1.5. All stop, sir. Yes. But where is this place? Where none have gone before. Captain's log, stardate 41263.3. Instead of returning to our own galaxy, the Enterprise has gone forward to a place in the universe which is uncharted and unknown. Our present position puts us at over a billion light years from our galaxy. Data, you have the help. I'll be in engineering. What did you think of where no one has gone before? Is there something intriguing about that episode? Did it resonate for you? Oh, you want me to go first? Sure. I'll go first. Ask um, very dangerous. You go first. I, uh, <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. Um, it was hindered by the performance of the, uh, of the guest star who played mm-hmm. uh, Kaczynski. He was really annoying and was sort of like a typical, like uh, LA law guest star. He was. Um, very unlikable and he had been on la law and he had been on a bunch of shows i think he was on murder one stanley camel if i'm not mistaken yes correct yeah um but i thought it was a really cool science fiction idea and it sort of uh took us past the the mechanics of uh you know warp drive and everything and turned it into almost sort of a uh, uh an emotional experience um 
And they really did go into, uh, you know, these vast realms where uh, no one had been before. And it was interesting. And they tried to do some uh, interesting new visual things. Um, and it was fun to sort of explore the stretching of the technology a little bit and uh, see what was possible in this world. Well, actually, um, I want to ask you about that because, you know, in a way, it, 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 it reminds me of the immunity syndrome which was sort of groundbreaking in terms of these incredible opticals and where no one has gone before had these really amazing um, opticals with wherever they were, the end of the universe or wherever right. they, they, they went to. Um, but it didn't have that beautiful, um, those beautiful moments between Spock and McCoy that make immunity syndrome special. It, it, instead, it, it's a lot of Wesley being brilliant. Yeah. You know, it's funny though, that you mentioned that because I don't know, man, um, I think that was one of the the few early anyway uh, attempts to humanize the, the sort of the Wesley of it all, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to you know Wesley is just a really smart kid who knows how to do everything. Mm. Um, and I think you know look when that first season came out that was what that was eighty seven so. Um, I was probably about as old than as, uh, as, as Wesley was, um, you know, and I was like a little nerd and kind of going to a nerd high school and all that other crap. So like, I, I felt on some level, like I could identify, um, or at least understand who that kid was in that episode. Um, I, I don't know that it dug deep enough, but I remember being struck by how it was the it was the first attempt to to dig at that in an emotional way. And I agree, like, you know, I thought that like the the places they went and like this, the big idea of how they just kept going was just amazing because it was it wasn't like, you know, the the um, it's just here's the, the special effects and let's go. It was really like a metaphor for Wesley. It's like like you are unlimited, right? right? Like you can go anywhere. And I think that that was, that was a message that, that reached, that did have some resonance to it. But I do agree that it was like, it was hurt by, um, by guest stars. Um, and it just, it never quite gelled. There was never a punchline to it. Mm -hmm. um, it was more like, and you're awesome, Wesley. <laughs> was kind of the punchline. Keep, keep it up, Wes. Keep it up, Wes. It's also right. interesting. You got a guest star like Stanley Kamel. As uh, Darren mentions, and you compare, he's just annoying and narcissistic and egotistical, like some people would say about me. But, um, you, you know, as opposed to somebody like William Marshall, who, right. you know, is the same in, in Ultimate Computer, but he's so charismatic and so right. interesting and so tormented that it, it's such a compelling character. And yet, you know, the character Kaczynski, Kaczynski? Yeah. Kaminsky? Kaminsky. Kaczynski. The Kaczynski method. And uh, and it just, you know, it's not it's not necessarily memorable. I don't think Playmates will be making the toy, the action figure. Anytime Dude, soon. if they did, he would totally be in my collection. <laughs> so, um, well, I find it interesting that uh, Eric Menyuk, who played the Traveler, uh, was, I believe, uh, second in line for Data when they were cast. That's correct. He was a runner up for Data. Uh, so uh, I think it's an interesting thing to see sort of his interaction with uh, Wesley and others. Yeah, um, that's a great point. What that might've been. Yeah. And then, you know, right after that, just when it seemed like maybe the show was going to start hitting its stride, they did a really ineffective um, 
Devil in the Dark knockoff called The Lonely Among Us, mm, which right. the only thing I really remember about that was Walter Gattel, who who uh, from the James Bond movies, who played General Galgal was in it. Right, um, right. But other than that, I, I don't really remember much about it. Yeah, I, I just remember and Marco it, uh, Lamo was in it. Was Marco he? Lamo? Mm-hmm. Wow, who would have guessed that he would come back and be such a, a powerful figure in such an important part of the mythology? I think this was this was the first the first time that I really didn't like a title for an episode. Hmm. Lonely it, Among it, Us. It it felt just really uh, out of its league, if mm. that means anything. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of the crappy version of. Babel, um, and it just it didn't go anywhere. Again, it was like one of those things where it's like supposed it, we're supposed to be boldly going where no man has gone before, and we're not really going anywhere. Yeah, um, it was just the story of what was happening with these guest stars, yeah. as opposed to oh, it's really a story about Spock dealing with shit involving his dad. Right? It's like that's the that's the the thing that was really missing. And it's important to know at this point, you know, Gene was still using a heavy hand on all these scripts. So no matter who's credited, in this case, it was DC Fontana with the teleplay. It really was Gene ultimately who was, you know, rewriting them. That would change and it would end up being Maurice Hurley later in the season. Right. But, um, you know, Gene was, you know, doing page one rewrites on a lot of this. And that's why you see a lot of the same ideas coming back, which is what's interesting about the next episode. Justice has a really sort of intriguing high concept the idea being um what happens if um on a planet where if you break a law any law right it's the death the death penalty now that that's a very star trek kind of idea right it's okay i'm fine oh no oh please no speak the truth we are mediators. I said I was fine. He doesn't know. He's from another place. How very sad. But this zone has been selected. But he doesn't understand. It's always sad. Now doubly so. I was chasing the ball. And I fell into that. I'm really sorry. You admit you did that. Freely. I'm with Starfleet. We don't lie. It won't happen again. We apologize. We're sorry, too. But that changes nothing. Careful, Commander. They've got some strange laws here. I thought you reviewed their laws. But they listed nothing about punishment. One moment, please. Is there a witness to this transgression? But it was my fault. I threw the ball past him. We have a visible transgression, ample witnesses, and an admission of guilt. And though it pains us deeply to do what we must, are you prepared for punishment? Punishment? If you mean what the others were talking about. What punishment? Name it. Death, of course. Don't make it difficult for the boy. It's a kind of syringe. 
What is this? You said death. Is this poison? But, but of course it is completely painless. The boy would have felt nothing. But look at him now. You frightened him. He was going to kill me? But instead, it becomes about this giant sort of Vol-like enforcer. And, you know, it's Wesley who breaks a little bit, like going on the lawn. Like, yeah. he, you know, it's like, oh, my God, I stepped on the lawn. Oh, you're going to we're going to kill you. Well, and you know, he just hits the paradise. audience saying, please be do. Fair, he clumsily destroyed some flowers. That is true. And what you don't wasn't know just is just standing those, on the lawn. Those he flowers are sentient. Life. And yes. um, they're actually like the, uh, the the aliens on that planet. Those flowers are actually the, the child form before they become fully mature. And that's what they don't fully explain to us. And so he actually murdered a school bus full of children. Um, so suck on that, Wesley. He deserved that's why you're going to die. Uh, he deserved he to die. He deserved to die. For I feel well, like we just improved that episode the ball. immeasurably, by the way. It, the, the point <laughs> about it is that it's, uh, it's uh, screw the uh, prime directive episode. Mm, right, yes. And, you know, uh, your, your laws aren't binding on us, so we're just going to go. Well, it'd be more interesting if it had been like a red shirt that did it, you know, where you really think like, wow, maybe they're going to leave them behind. Were you actually they... where you actually wanted him to die? <laughs> but I mean, it's it's kind of, you know, it just seems like, you know, I love the the idea behind, oh, you know, you violate a law and the, the you know, the death penalty for everything. And that's how they keep. Um, but, you know, deal with it in a way that, you know, there's real metaphor and allegory to it. This wasn't I bad actually, at all. I actually think it it didn't serve Dr. Crusher's uh, character very well because mm-hmm. she was just uh, she was just sort of the stereotypical uh, scared mother. Yes. And I, I think that the, the better way to handle that would have been to, uh, you know, have her at least say something about, you know, accepting responsibility or something to uh, make her make her position in Starfleet actually mean something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But I didn't get any. And not to be ageist in this business, because God knows that's the last thing I want to advocate for. You had a lot of people writing these, you know, who, who were, you know, much older. It'd been a while since, you know, uh, Gene had had kids. And right. so they're not really kind of writing. They're writing a TV, my three sons version of a parent. Right. And, a child rather than something that felt real. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. And, um, and, and, you know, but I do, and I've said this on the show before, I remember because I, the first time I was ever on the set of, of next gen was for right. too short a season, a few weeks later. And the first thing Jonathan Frake says to me is you should have been here last week, the Edo planet. That was the time to be here. <laughs> <laughs> nice planet. <laughs> and uh you know i think that's where uh, uh william Ware tice was still involved wasn't he he was involved I, for a couple of i episodes. believe so I believe yeah and it showed it's certainly on the edo planet well a lot of things showed. many <laughs> things showed <laughs> okay hey, nice package so uh hey. you know rob bowman was back with uh, uh, uh the ferengi were better served it's still not a particularly good episode but at least uh it wasn't as embarrassing in the battle right and it and it gives us some uh, some interesting sort of backstory for Captain Picard, even though it doesn't really mean anything. Right. It's, it's mm-hmm. interesting to learn this stuff, uh, yeah. but the pieces still don't really fall together very well. If you right. ask me, it's yeah. kind of it's a it's that common syndrome in that first season of things really going nowhere and doing nothing. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, well, and that and that's true of the next episode too, which is hide and cue, which is Oof. when they still thought, I guess Riker was going to be the star of the show. Right. And so it's about Q, who's intrigued by Riker coming back because he wants to make him a Q. Right. And it's a bizarre concept. And certainly you look back now and you think, you know, obviously Q's relationship was with Picard the whole time. You yeah. know, this whole idea that he's intrigued by what intrigued I, him. I mean, I, I love like John, but obviously the Riker character, particularly at this point, was extremely underdeveloped. And in fact, he even admits it. I yeah. mean, it isn't until later in one zero zero one zero zero one that you finally see some character. I like that. I like Frakes too, but I don't like Riker. Riker's boring. <laughs> well, in my head canon, Q is just trying to make Picard jealous in this episode. That's right. interesting. That's an mm. interesting take. That on is it. interesting. All right, I think. Um, go ahead. No, I was just going to say like that. You know, there was a lot of um, like. There's actually some stuff in this that's that's kind of memorable in a weird way, just because of John DeLancey and like, you know, his and the interactions soldier? with Worf, right? Strange like, animal creatures. You know, right? Like, eat any, eat any good books lately? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which I thought was pretty good. Yeah. Um, weirdest part was adult Wesley, but yeah, like, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. R. Will Wheaton through his, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, this is wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I want to be like this anymore. I think I want to go back to being a I've, kid. Really? I feel, I feel funny. funny. <laughs> yeah. B- big it ain't. I think I want to talk to, to Jet Counselor Troy. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, you know, and look that and that, and that you know that potentially is a whole episode, you know, but boy, it's 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 such a dopey thing in that episode. But one thing was clear, they they knew how to write Delancey mm-hmm. at that point, even at that point, because the, the thing about the episode that works is Q. You know, he, he just is, has so much fun with that stuff. And he has some great lines, as you pointed out. And so, uh, you know, even that, um, even with, you know, the really bad use of Planet Hell and the pig creatures and all the crazy stuff that's going on, um, it's watchable. And, um, you know, it's funny because the next episode was one that I really remember. This is another one where people say, oh, the Star Trek, this is when it shows really finding its sea legs, you know, but people kept saying that, right? Mm-hmm. Haven was an episode that people were really, I, Darren shaking his head. I, I think it's only because people were so desperate for character development that finally you find, oh, Ca- Council Troy and arranged marriage and, um, you know, some, and, and Tracy Torme was a huge Star Trek fan mm-hmm. and at least brought, you know, some, some interesting perspective, uh, to that episode it's not one that people look back at and say oh you know haven but at the time it really distinguished itself and there I are mean, a lot I, of people again, named miller so <laughs> again they're they're trying to they're they're trying to make Riker into something that he actually isn't they're trying to make Riker into kirk and it it doesn't make sense and it doesn't play well you know he is not a he is not a a desirable male uh, as it's as it is, uh, you know, shown in this. Well, it's so funny because this is pre beard and it's so hard yeah. to watch him without the beard. It is. Uh, and 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 he's, he's so desperate to find something to hang on to with a character that he's over. You know, he's always you know, people joke about the way he sits down and the way he stands. And it's like he's like desperate to find something. He's act. still very gawky. He's in the gawky stage. He's in it. He's he's in the gawky stage, and it all changes it? with season two. Uh, you know when he famously you know grew his beard over the writer strike, and Gene said, "Oh, I like the beard. Keep it. It looks nautical." Right. And it really oh, it changes nautical. that character. Can I just ask what it is about 
commanders on Star Trek shows who, when they grow beards, become awesome. <laughs> right? First, it's Riker, and then Cisco is like, you know, and then I'll Janeway. Oh, wait, and then no. Janeway's beard was amazing. first. It actually first it was Spock. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But he was already already awesome. awesome. He was just awesome in a whole different way. Awesome. He was awesomer. He just found a new gear for awesome. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. Awesome. There is there's something about beards. This make people cool. <laughs> That's right. That's why we've got them. That's right. Okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, okay. So the next episode, we won the Peabody Award. And again, an episode that, that people loved at the time. I obviously was a fan because I'm a huge film noir fan, but it began the really bad trend of holiday malfunction episodes. And it's the big goodbye, which is the first yeah. time that the world is introduced to uh, Dixon Hill, the doppelganger of Captain Picard, uh, you know, the detective uh, who, uh, he goes to the holodeck to, to play this fictional character who's obviously very much based on the works of Raymond Chandler and, and, uh, and Corn- Cornell Woodrich. Woodrich and uh, it's, um, you know, uh, Philip Marlowe type of character. And yeah. obviously there's a Sydney Greenstreet type character played by Lawrence Tierney. Um, it's, a, yeah. it's a fun. It's a fun episode. It's a fun episode, but it's it's really, really clunky because. McClunky? It's McClunky. McClunky because in my opinion, Picard isn't this character. He, he doesn't he doesn't like this. There's nothing in his character that suggests that he would have a connection to this kind of fiction. Nothing at all. And it seems wrong. Uh, and I can't put my finger on it, but mm. he, he's not he, he doesn't seem comfortable in this environment. It's true. He, he really like does reading Shakespeare or. You know, yeah. he wouldn't I mean, that, be playing dress up, how, cosplaying. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, going to the uh, medieval fair or something. But uh, it, it just it just feels just wrong. It's and, like Hawkeye going to the LARPers. It's like, I just don't, you know, <laughs> yeah. he, and he was really uncomfortable. Right. So <laughs> yeah. and I love that scene. And it's just like it feels like Picard would never go LARPing. No. Although if he did, uh, it would be amazing. Um, yeah. I actually quite like this episode. And I think for the reason, um, going back to how we began this conversation, that, you know, whether you buy his connection to Dixon Hill or not, I buy the character's connection to what's happening in the episode. Mm. Um, And it is ultimately about him. And the other thing that I find interesting about this episode is that, yes, it kicked off all of the terrible holodeck malfunction episodes because I think they they kept trying to recapture what made the big goodbye work. But I'll tell you what, to me, makes the big goodbye work. Other than I think it was the first time that I liked Patrick Stewart on mm. this show mm. is that very ending of the episode, right? When like there's the guy he's been talking to who's like a cop, who's the detective, and he's self-aware mm. and he's wondering what happens to him mm-hmm. after you shut down the holodeck. Yeah. Right. And it's this existential question. And it really is a very Star Trek question. Right. Because all of this time, right under our noses, Captain Picard has been encountering um, a strange new world, um, a new life and a new civilization. And he shuts out the lights and it's gone. And where we get the pathos is that the life is aware of it. And so is Picard. And I think, you know, that's what sells me on this episode and and what I really kind of loved so much about it. And it was, it was, to me, it was the moment for next generation where I said, you know, okay, there's, there's hope for this thing. 
you know where they really nailed that idea? Because yes, it's implicit in this, but it's shipping a bottle many years later. Yeah, absolutely. Where they for sure. really deal with that head on. And it's great. And of course, Daniel Davis and Moriarty is sensational. Yeah. Who was also introduced in the second season. Again, another beloved part of the mythology that's introduced early on. We'll get to the, the Borg as well. But um, the, th- the thing that, that, you know, I bumped on, and it, it, this is such a nerdy Saturday Night Live skit comment, um, was when they, you know, uh, Cyrus Redblock and, and his Peter Laurie like sidekick actually step off the holodeck and they're right. in the corridor, in the corridor and yeah. then they start to disappear, which of course, you know, would not be the way it would work. It doesn't right. make any sense. And it's just like, I just don't like the way that it's executed because it's yeah. not. Yeah, it's 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 stagey Agreed. and it's goofy. Because, you know, once you pass the 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 uh, the door of the holodeck, you should just. Yeah, yes. you, you you can't be in the hallway. We 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 don't have emitters out there, folks. <laughs> <laughs> but if you did, how awkward would that be? I mean, I can't believe I'm I'm, I'm like, you know, getting into the weeds here with the minutia. But I well, so be it. But again, it's you need to you know, once you set up the rules, you need to play by them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you don't, then it just becomes, well, what what are you actually doing here? Yeah. But I, I think the reason we like Patrick and that is because, again, it's about Picard. It's about you think the interest is not genuine. It's like it, it, you're we're focusing on his character and how he interacts with this rogues gallery. And that, that's really fun. And, uh, you know, when you have Gates thrown in there is, you know, and um, it, it, it's it just the whole 40 stuff. And it, it, there's a sense of fun to it that had been missing from the show, you know, up until this point, because one of the things I think we all love about TOS is how wry it is. And even in the most serious of circumstances, it, 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 it's never, you know, self-consciously jokey, but it's funny. And see, uh, here's you know. my, my aspect on this is that um, those stories, you know, the, the Chandler and, uh, and uh, others of that ilk, the main character is not a good guy. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's almost as dark as the people yeah. that he's facing up against. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's none of that. It's too clean. It's too. I mean, if, if he actually if Picard actually read, you know, these stories and enjoyed these, then it would be more gritty. It would be more uh, dirty. It would be more real. But yeah. it's it's like a Disneyland thing. And it just doesn't it doesn't feel right to me. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know what else? They shoot it on sets. When here you are in Los Angeles and right. you could shoot it, you know, in the same places that the yeah. classic noir shot and have it real gritty, yeah. you know, and unfortunately it's a production value. Yeah, it's a production value. Yeah. But instead, they they pretty much they don't even go on the back lot, if I recall. I mean, it's literally almost yeah. all, you know, on a set all that they on built, stage yeah. and it's very, you know, stagey. That's another thing about the first two seasons. Uh, the DP is not particularly good. Uh, the look of the show. And one of the things I noticed watching it, there's a very little sound. There's, the, the, you yeah. know, the, there's not a lot. And that was something again that, you know, Doug Grindstaff and Gene and Justman, you know, even back in the sixties, they had this amazing, uh, and you didn't even notice it sense of sound right. that, that gave it a, 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 a reality, a reality, you know, yeah. whether it would be the engines or, you know, on the bridge with all the different stations reporting in, in the background and you weren't even paying attention. You didn't realize it was that, but it gave it, a, uh, you know, a veracity that, right. you know, if you're on the bridge of the next generation, it's very quiet. You know, I mean, there was a scene I was watching 
in one of the episodes where not only uh, that uh, when they were touching buttons, you couldn't really hear anything beeping and booping, but and on the turnaround when they're in front of the, the view screen, and this, this is a product of high def, um, there's lip flap with data um, right. that, and there's, he doesn't that say anything removed. because yeah. clearly they took this shot, reused the shot from something else. Right. And I, I don't know how it passed QC, but he's like, his lips are moving. He's not saying anything. <laughs> and it's just, I mean, obviously that's the kind of stuff we notice in the business. It's but TV. It yeah. happens all that, the time. Right? Yeah. yeah, That's that's true. But I, I, I like the big, I'm more with Ashley on Big Goodbye than than, uh, than you, Darren. I, I think it's uh, fun. And it definitely was an episode, you know, that was like, oh, okay. This show is at least getting watchable now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then uh, and then we and then data law the next week where it was like it really felt it was all about showing off motion their motion control work. I know this <laughs> was a nightmare for them to shoot. It, they went right. over schedule and it was really tough because they were doing the two datas and they were very proud of themselves. But that does not an episode make. Right. But I I didn't here I, I may I may be opposed to both of you again. I I enjoyed it because of the backstory and the interesting sort of uh, setup to what data was right and that uh, you know he wasn't uh, he wasn't the only one made and i think that was uh, that was interesting to me you know, i actually um agree with you it, it, at least at least to an extent i mean I think that that backstory was cool. And I think that there was um, some amazing atmosphere, particularly like at the beginning of the episode, right? Like Rob Bowman came to play on that episode. And when they're kind of going down into the lab and they're finding lore and everything, like there's there's real, like, I don't know, man. I felt like I could touch it. Like I was like, wow, why isn't the show like this all the time? And I thought that Ron Jones' score um, on that episode was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, where it, um, where the episode kind of fell off the the tracks for me was the moment that Lore started twirling his mustache and almost literally mm-hmm. tying people to train tracks. Right. Like, yeah, but that's Brent too. He loves the, the scenery when he's playing these doppelgangers. Yeah. He's yeah. great as Data, but whenever he's playing you know, another character, whether it be soon or lore or before, yeah, he's doing shtick. And that's yeah. how he is. He's a character actor. And he's a light <laughs> comedian. And boy, he loves his, his Borscht humor. Yeah. I mean, that's why I hate masks so much. I mean, you know, look, and, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't blame. Look, there's Brent plenty of reasons to hate Matt. Yeah, I know. I don't blame him because he got the script the night before and he had to play like 18 characters in that. Right. And, you know, uh, and he's doing shtick. But, you know, he didn't really have a chance to prepare. So I, I, I blame that's a, Mino, a Joe Minoski more than I blame Brent for that one. Um, OK, but I will say, you know, you made a good point when you have Rob Bowman and Ron Jones, both on an episode, the composer and, and the director, it's just better. Yeah. It shows you even back then, you know, these weren't necessarily just traffic cops because Rob Bowman could take the worst episode, The Child you know, um, uh, elementary, you know, and, and make them better just because, and then he would go on and do um, obviously the X-Files and he was great at it. And of course, you know, I worked with him on castle and so I'm a little partial, but I just think he's he's super talented. And uh, you know, Ron Jones, I mean, he was on another, it was like, he was on another planet from these other composers. Well, he was on star Trek. 
Yeah, he was exactly. Star Trek. <laughs> but a lot of that was because he wasn't listening to Peter Lawrence the post-production Correct. supervisor. <laughs> and he didn't care if he was going to get fired, which he did. He did. Uh, yeah. Whereas the other guys actually had bills to pay and, you know, weren't willing to fight City Hall the way that uh, that that Ron Jones did. Yep. Angel so one. This was um, a Buck Rogers episode by any other name. Oh, my God. Yeah. Or as I like to call it, Angeloni. <laughs> <laughs> it's Italian. <laughs> well, that episode happened. <laughs> right right on a planet of uh, ruled by women but you know people talk about how racist code of honor is and and you know obviously that that that's true to an extent and it's an awful episode and it's yeah. it's it's i see why people would be offended by it angel one you know is you know the turnabout intruder i think of right. uh of of next generation it's 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 definitely uh um it's the it's the realization of uh, Roddenberry's uh, statement that, you know, I've been uh, treated like a uh, sex object before, and I, I enjoyed it very much. <laughs> um, turn about and trigger on it. It's it's cringeworthy, really. Yeah, it absolutely yeah. is. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's so it's and, so uh, it's so by the numbers. Yeah. That there's no there's no depth to it at all. It's just. Oh well, what if uh, what if women ruled the planet? Alpha Rake. It doesn't feel like that. It just feels like a bunch of women who are acting like men running a yeah, planet. Right. Yeah. Yes. And there's a really bad matte painting. Well, that was uh, there were a lot of bad matte paintings, and then there were some great ones from Sid Dutton and Illusion Arts. Yeah. That's some really great. I mean, look, <laughs> look at the bar. I mean, you had Albert Whitlock on the original show. Be yeah. hard to match. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, that's as good as it gets you know that's up there with alan shaw's albert whitlock so i mean but next generation you know for a show that cost 1.5 million dollars the first couple of seasons they had some nice map paintings yeah they, they did and they're lucky that they did because uh those things aren't cheap yeah yeah so then we get to the episode which i think not only is is probably if not the best episode of the first season probably one of the better episodes of next generation uh, yep. In a lot of ways, and that, of course, is one one zero zero one zero zero one. The binars. It's 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 interesting. Uh, John Frakes tells the story about how he was talking to um, Maurice Hurley, who was uh, had come aboard, and um, how he liked to, one of the things his hobbies was he liked to play trombone. They wrote it into an episode. You can tell Frakes is having a great time, but it's all about this great idea of illusion versus reality, right? And it's terrific. I mean, it really is ahead of its time in terms of dealing with the perils of virtual reality, isn't it? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's a lot of fun, and it has a great uh, it great sci-fi idea in it. Uh, several, actually. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's really well done, and the audience is sort of led by the hand through it, and uh, we fall in love with Minuet just like Riker does, and it's heartbreaking when she's gone. Yeah. 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 She's and- awesome. And it has, I think, one of my favorite Star Trek punchlines of all time. Yes. Oh, yeah. um, which is, why didn't you just ask us? You might have said no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, it's Galaxy Quest TV show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you believe it. You're like, oh, of course. They And, let, you know, let's give it, uh, the binars their recognition. Yeah. In a show that is so often defined and characterized by bumpy foreheads and weird noses, this was an alien species. Yeah, absolutely. they looked like alien species. They acted like alien species. They but, were you great. Know, the whole problem could have been solved by just putting a Best Buy on their planet. 
<laughs> yeah. Plenty of hard drives there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so great. So great. Okay. Uh, it's such a great MacGuffin mm-hmm. that they need to use the computer to store all this stuff while they, I love that. Sure. I think it's such a good episode. Well, they reboot. When they reboot. I mean, just like that's what sci-fi should be. You take these big sci-fi ideas and you tell a character story. And the sci-fi is the window dressing. Huh. That's what this was. Great stuff. Okay. Too Short a Season was next. I, I mentioned this earlier. Um, it was the, uh, you know, I, I, the, the only fond memories I have is, again, having been on the set of that one. Right. You know, I was in college. I got flown out to meet my college roommate, my friend Stephen, where, you know, it's, spent a couple of days on set getting to know the cast. It's and not a very good episode. And God, I no, it's really it not. It has to do mostly, again, with the guest star casting, because he's he's not very good uh, playing an old man or a young man. No, and here's a fun yeah. fact. Here's a fun fact you will only hear on the Trexperts. He was dating Audie England at the time we made oh, Fran that's, that's amazing. And um, I remember I kept asking about this freaking episode. <laughs> I think they broke up because, you know, then she started dating our lead actor. And I was really glad because he sounded like a jerk. But... Uh, <laughs> Well, maybe maybe they needed to put the makeup on him. Maybe the season wasn't the only thing that was too short. Now, now. Oh what? My God. Did I Ashley. just say that out loud? Oh, God damn it. And this is a Rob Bowman episode. But again, it's what I said earlier. <laughs> it's about the guest cast. Yeah. And yeah. it's not about our. I mean, there's a point where he says, and I shall take command. This is what I was on the scene on the set when they shot this. I shall take command of the, the away team. You know, Picard is literally sitting next to him. And this guy is playing the city. You know, Admiral Jameson is sitting in the captain's chair. And it's like, you can't do that to your lead. Yeah. You know, this Angelico, you know, it's yeah. just, it's, it's bad. You ain't it's no bad. Ronnie Cox, brother. You ain't no Ronnie Cox. No, that's true. But um, anyway, um, <laughs> I couldn't believe it when I saw that. Oh, the guy from Star Trek. Yeah, that's what he wants to be known for. Yeah, no, I remember. Okay. Look, so, he's lucky uh, to be known for anything. That's yeah. right. Um, okay, then when when the bow breaks, I don't even remember. Was that the one with the... No, that was up the long ladder. That's what the, happens when the bow breaks? Tell me what happens when the bow breaks. We need some of your children. In payment, we will give you information that would take you centuries to acquire. That might be acceptable to some other races, but uh, humans are unusually attached to their offspring. Our children are not for sale at any price. We sympathize with your situation, but what you ask is not possible. And that's your final answer? That's my only answer. Now, if there's some other way that we could help you. I'm sorry, you are so intransigent. Still no response, sir. Wesley. They've taken my son. section reports six more children are gone it's the children that's why we've been brought here that's what they wanted and that's what they have 
That's the one where there's the planet that needs to repopulate itself. So right. they basically want the Enterprise children. Here's right. oh, what I that's find right. totally unrealistic about this episode. So the, the, the denizens of this planet make this offer to the Enterprise. Give us some of your children to repopulate our planet, right? Cool, we'll right. give you some technology. It's Well, awesome. if they'd asked you, you would have said yes right away. Exactly. <laughs> like, the realistic. I got twins here. <laughs> How many do you want? <laughs> I'll give you two or three. It's awesome. There were definitely parents who would have been like, take them. Give me a cloaking oh. device so I can hide from the other ones. Oh, see? Oh, I love my boys. <laughs> but I would have thought about it. but again i mean it's not it's not very good but at least it has an interesting sort of science fiction story and uh i forget what the uh what the solution was did did uh did dr families on the ship anymore (laughs) that would be amazing if that had been the ending it would be like the best episode of star trek ever you know they've proposed that we give them our children (laughs) i I vote yes (laughs) oh my god (laughs) <laughs> starting really with Wesley. I, I, I just realized something, and I'm, people probably have been cursing me out for the last 20 minutes. I was wrong. Lonely Among Us was about, it was not the, the ripoff of uh, Day of the It was Home Soil. That was yeah. the one with yeah, Walter right. Goodtell. Lonely so, Among Us was the ripoff of, 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 uh, of, of Babel. Journey to Babel. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, totally. So, yeah, I was yeah. wrong. It was Home Soil. The, the, the returning director of Farpoint, Corey Allen, you know, once again, not bringing it. And, uh, <laughs> That at home soil, I remember seeing it, and I'm just thinking, should I stop watching the show now? Am I done? And I was, I had been video recording all of them too. Yeah, on, me too. And yeah. I think I had been recording them on the on the, the slow speed to you know to to a tape. So oh, you man. know it was more. I think I was like, okay, I'm going to go to six a tape. I'm so going to go to the high the less qualities, and I'm going to go for six because I don't know if I'm ever going to watch these episodes again. I still uh, have all my uh, VHS from season one and two me too. that I that I made uh, you know lovely labels for and wrote mm-hmm. in all the uh, the air dates information and printed out oh all the God. yeah not like the cassettes you have of the original show the the audio cassettes no, these were video like the cassettes these were these were video cassettes because yeah. I actually was working and could afford to buy a VCR yeah yeah no you're you working yeah I was I I, I was uh, in college still but um. I was working at a video store and I was getting a good deal on the blank tapes. Nice. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. Coming of age. This was another Wesley episode, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. What? I don't know what happened. Um, This this episode. Here's what's notable about this episode. Um, This, I think, is uh, the uh, Starfleet comes to investigate the Enterprise because they believe there's a problem on the enterprise. Right. And mm. there's like a, it's a Remick makes his first appearance oh, a, yes. along with Admiral Quinn. And he's doing this whole investigation. And basically it's like, somebody is disloyal. Somebody is disloyal. Meanwhile, Wesley is trying to get into Starfleet Academy. Oh yeah. Um, okay. And okay. Yeah. So this so is it the was setup a setup for conspiracy. 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 Yeah. 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 And but the, this and was the B, interesting. And the B was story this? is the B story is uh, Wesley's test. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, and then they have the it's like the shitty Kobayashi Maru where there's a right. fire and he has to save the people, but it's not really a fire, it was just right. a test. Right. Yeah. Uh oh, geez. Yeah. But again, Gonzo, like they would never have done an episode like this they later s- on. And they know? certainly wouldn't have done, yeah, yeah. No, you're totally right. So I mean, it's not a great episode, but it's weird. 
and it, it it's it's trying some stuff and you know um the fact that they come on and are investigating something sinister is going on in the enterprise is the implication yeah. that's interesting yeah it's it's not well executed but there's a concept there that that's somewhat interesting if only yeah. they would have uh for sure right i like fruition. well i mean i like that um that it then got followed up and not just like the next episode, like a two-parter, like yeah. it came back several episodes later. It was like, that was like, Oh, well, we'll get the conspiracy. Yeah, yeah, totally. Conspiracy, you know, in a lot of ways represents everything. The first and second season did well, that sort of got lost. Right. Because mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at conspiracy and Q who there's a tone and a suspense and a nihilism to both of yep. those. Yep. Never to return. That's correct. Yep. And at least on next generation. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you saw it on deep space nine, but next year. And, and that, I think that was Hurley, mm-hmm. you know, because that's the kind of guy he was, you know, which isn't to condone. He wasn't a great guy, but, um, but that definitely was, uh, came from, I think Maurice Hurley, Maury Hurley. Um, but, you know, obviously we'll get to that, but, you know, here's another episode that I think people really liked at the time. Um, you know, there've been better Klingon episodes since, but I think even Ron Moore po- po- points to this being the one where he said, oh, maybe the show will be OK. And that is Heart of Glory, where they have the old Klingons who show that up. Was, that was exactly my reaction. This was this was the first episode that I thought, well, you know, maybe this show could maybe this show could be good because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's really well done. And it it really uh, it really delves into Worf's uh, story. And his character, and I think it does wonders to make him actually real, yeah. and not just a goofball standing on the bridge shooting at the view screen. Well, <laughs> this was a time when uh, Worf was still a uh, he was a he was a seven to thirteen at the time. He was recurring. He wasn't even a yeah. a regular, and he wasn't the security officer. He was just some guy on the bridge. Yep, he was just a a, a con uh, a con operator standing around like you know paying uh, paying Armis on the side. Yeah. whack Tasha Yar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he could get promoted. Yeah. Because that's how they do it in the mirror universe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, but I think it, it it expanded some of the, you know, Klingon mythos a little bit and uh, sort of delved into their uh, society. Um, and I thought it was, uh, I thought it was a lot of fun and it, it sort of uh, opened up things a lot for me. And I remember it being well shot. Like I remember that stuff in engineering. Yeah. Rob was shooting interesting camera angles, uh, you know, and uh, there was some good action. And, and this was a, this was one that had some good sound. They had some good foley for those Klingons mm-hmm. walking through the corridors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like cowboys. Yeah. That was good stuff. Yeah. That was good stuff. That was a good episode. Fun episode. Arsenal of Freedom has everybody's favorite character actor, Vincent Schiavelli, yeah. as a huckster. <laughs> um, this is a bizarre episode. It like, sure is. They're, they're, they're dealing with arms merchants. And then it's basically an episode in which Picard is wounded and he's trapped with Crusher. Yeah. And you think, oh, okay, now we're going to really deal with like their past and know what their future could be in this weird, you know, kind of moonlighting relationship. Nope. That's <laughs> not what we're going to do at all. It doesn't happen until the seventh season in Attached, where they did the sci fi defiant ones. But uh, boy, What's, Arsenal Freedom's a mess. The, the thing I think that is notable about this episode. And I'm sure that we will dispute this and then realize that I'm correct is that uh, this was the first time 
that we actually saw the phaser collimators actually operate on the uh, saucer section. Like we that's actually true. saw the Enterprise fire phasers. <laughs> Isn't oh, that that's strange? Right. It's like they're it, just random shit odd. like that. And, and, you know, there's some, um, there's some strange experiments with visual effects that don't really work in this one. Uh, the, the, the brand of video effects that had to be done for like the floating, uh, the, you know, the floating uh, the robots and things like that um, just sort of looked really cheap. Uh, mm-hmm. And combined with uh, you know the the back the backings of Planet Hell, it, it was uh, it was really tough to watch for me. Yeah, yeah, I I would agree with that completely. And uh, I re- I remember back then even thinking these effects look really cheap. Yeah, and it yeah. wasn't they were cheap. It was just it was the video compositing and and the computer right. animation. Well, and, and it was stuff that ILM hadn't shot. Right. Yeah. Right. That's because at that point they had exhausted the library and, and ILM had basically done ship shots. Yeah. So they didn't really have like these weird drones. Um, It's kind of interesting. It was the same mistake that they made on the original 1978 Galactica, where they had John Dykstra create this library of effects for the first three miniseries and figure, well, this will pretty much get us through uh, the whole season. Yeah. You know, and it was the same thing with Star Trek. Well, if ILM do all these shots and then we'll just uh, keep compositing them. Uh, you know, a spaceship is a spaceship. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, we can, we can, we can turn it upside down. It's completely different. It'll be great. Yeah, 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 it'll be great. <laughs> and, 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 and so it was. So, okay, so that's uh, the Arsenal Free. Now, Symbiosis is an episode. Merritt Buttrick was in it. I and really have never been a fan. And Justin Scott, thank you. Fizz. But when I was doing my book, The 50-Year Mission, actually, I got to give credit where credit is due. Um, but Bob Lewin was somebody who I met that first season uh, uh, back when the show was in production. It's the first person I ever interviewed with Next Generation before I even went out to the set. Um, uh, Bob Lewin was a real gentleman. He was like old school. Mm-hmm. He, he really uh, was... Uh, um, somebody who was a, um, a mentor to people like Michael Mann. Um, he was a producer on shows like uh, The Paper Chase, which is a show that Darren and I absolutely adore. Right. Um, and he was exactly, uh, you know, the wrong person for Star Trek in a sense that he was a gentle soul who was thrown into a shark tank with assholes. Right. And um, he, he wasn't able to swim very long. Um, but he did this episode and, and it was Ed who interviewed his son because Bob's passed away many years ago, uh, who said that this was really uh, Rob, Robert Lewin trying to write a, sh- a, a show to connect with his son because his son was a huge drug addict at the time. Mm-hmm. And that this episode was his attempt to reconcile with what had gone on the way he dealt with him as a you know, a lot of the regrets he had about dealing with the son and how he couldn't help him. And really the story behind the episode, so much more interesting than what's on screen. And of course, Bob Lewin got rewritten by the powers that be, whether it was Maury Hurley or or Gene, it's not a good episode, but just a really sort of sad swan song uh, for the great Robert Lewin. Right. And I uh Again, it, the uh, the casting, uh, you know, besides the fact that, you know, we have uh, Star Trek two favorites, 
uh, uh, Judson Scott and, uh, and uh, uh, Dr. Marcus. Yeah. Um, and wa- and Wakim? Wa- 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 Joaquim. Joaquim. Wa- Joaquim. I shall avenge you. Avenge you. Avenge you. Yeah. Um, Yours is the they, superior. They're good actors, but it's just too much in this. And I think the direction was a little off, too. Mm-hmm. That oh. it was way too over the top. And, yeah. you know, the the uh, the gnashing of teeth and the grabbing of, uh, you know, Riker and shocking him is just wacky. And it that just, is one of the great freeze frames of all oh time. That's right the, up there. The Riker like reaction. Your last battlefield. And yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah when the, oh, it's awful. And, you know, you're absolutely right, Darren, because this is the only episode of Next Generation directed by Wynn Phelps. The fact that he wasn't invited back to do other episodes speaks volumes. <laughs> generally, you can Wynn tell Phelps. who they like and who they don't, because right. generally a director who does well will shoot multiple episodes of the show. Right. Cliff Bull. Uh, Oh, yeah. they loved him because you know why they love Cliff? He delivered. He, 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 he on he, time. He delivered on time and on budget. And he, he got didn't it done argue in six. when they told him what they wanted. Yep. He got it done in six. The most pedestrian journeyman director of all of them. Well, and he wasn't a very nice person. <laughs> other, <laughs> other than that, that not that we speak ill of the dead. No. But, no. Uh, you know, the real, the great, the great directors on that show were Les Landau. Uh, um, uh, David Livingston, the line Sometimes producer. Sometimes we want more Landau. <laughs> Obviously, Rob Bowman, Rick, uh, Rob Jimmy Rick. Conway did a nice job. Later yeah. on, Rick Colby. I mean, it's so uh, you know, Riza Bari. Um, uh, you know, some of the actors. Yeah, obviously, Frakes turned out to be a fine director. Um, and and Gates, you know, with Genesis. So yeah. there'd Genesis. be <laughs> Skin of evil. Now, did we do it? No, we didn't. Do, we didn't do a commentary on this. The Peter no, and Lisa they, did with Denise. Yes. God they damn did. it. <laughs> okay, it's quite all right. All right. The we only have to watch it again. This, the only good thing about this episode is the uh, the ending capper, where uh, Data mm-hmm. has the uh, the memorial uh, for Tasha, and it's really beautiful and sweet. It is. It is. Yeah. Although it goes on for a while. Yeah, but, yeah, it's, but that's it, fine. it's sweet. It's like, and it had real passion to it. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. So it credit did. to it for that. I mean, it's funny because there's real human drama there at the end after we've just spent the last 40 minutes with like this evil oil slick yeah. on planet hell. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. which was, I mean, it looks like a class project for a fourth grader. Um, <laughs> You know, when you make the volcano out of paper mache, instead sure. they made, you know, Armis. And of course, Armis, we we would be remiss, and I'm sure Peter and Lisa didn't talk about this. No. Armis was named yeah, after Burton Armis. Burton Armis, who would later who was, work on the show. Who right, but but he was a police officer who began New York, his career as an uh as a, an advisor to uh, uh I think movies first yep, and yep, uh, that's right and a couple TV shows, and he's also named uh, as a character in Superman. He's one of the two. Uh, cops, the two cops following Superman, Ned Beatty, yeah, to Lex Luthor's Armus, Armus, <laughs> come in. <Yeah. laughs> um, he's the one with the hat. Uh, no, Harry, Harry, Harry oh, was the one with the hat. Harry's Harry got killed by the, by the train. By the train, Armus picked up his hat. Oh, Harry. <laughs> yeah, the, that's that's right. So Armus is there's a whole mythology around Armus, and uh, you know, <laughs> if only Armus was... was a was a a, a black uh, uh, oil slick in Superman. That would have been interesting. Right. <laughs> the real skinny evil. <laughs> yeah, right. Was Lex Luthor. 
Oh my god, could you imagine if they'd done like gotten a Superman six? They probably would have had Armis as the villain. And I'm kidding. <laughs> That's the, all they uh, would have been able to afford at Canon Films. <laughs> Although apparently yeah, so the, the, script the, the original five was good. The original really? title of this was Skirt of Evil, which was a, a different story altogether. <laughs> my God. So, you know, next was We'll Always Have Paris. Yeah. I don't know what to say. I said it already. Yeah. It's like, come Michelle on. Phillips was pretty. Yeah. This was the first uh, time uh, time problem episode yeah. of what would be many time problem episodes. Yeah. A hiccup in time, a, they called it. We got it. a time problem. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of a wrinkle in time, could you imagine Madeline Langle called her book? It's uh, it's hiccup in time. The publisher said, no, let's call it a wrinkle because a hiccup does just sounds disgusting. <laughs> and then the data starts to explain what a hiccup is. It's like, oh, right. stop, please stop. No, sir. That's blown out. <laughs> <laughs> OK, well, the less said about we'll always have Paris. Um, but again, interesting idea, maybe sort of kind of was, you know, it's like. It's the kind of stuff that Brandon Braga would do much better later on um, than uh, Deborah Dean Davis and Hannah Louise Sheridan did here. But again, they were heavily rewritten also by Maurice Hurley, so I can't really blame them. Um, okay. Conspiracy. This Love is what this. we're talking about when we're saying the season didn't suck. Friends, close friends, few and far between. Two of the oldest and closest. Jack Crusher, may he rest in peace, and Walker Keel. Before... Various missions split us up. We were virtually inseparable. I trust Keel completely. If he felt it necessary to violate regulations, he must have had a very good reason. But you're putting your career at risk for him. Friendship must dare to risk, Counselor. Or it's not friendship. They illicitly use the emergency channel to draw you here. Then they ask you to keep secrets from your superiors, effectively to disobey Starfleet regulations. People involved in this are of the highest caliber. I didn't believe in their loyalty. I wouldn't have gone this far. Don't you think you should tell the rest of the crew? No. I don't want to risk implicating them. Not until I have solid evidence that something really is wrong. Um, what a cool, interesting, you know, yes, it's Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but it's pretty neat. It's, and it's pretty creepy. It's pretty fun. Um, I think it. I think it's kind of, it's kind of ruined by the ending. Oh uh, my god! Oh yeah, the video when effects they, when they when they bring the scanners. puppets out, I'm I'm gone. I but gotta tell the you, the setup that. for all this was so freaking good. Yeah. The setup is amazing, and what and look, I I totally hear you on the uh, on the effect on that well, at the end. <laughs> but uh, well, you know right, I don't. I I hear nothing. No, I uh, I loved the fact that they went there like f the execution like on some level just the fact that they did it and then like that creature and it just like and they just he's burned out his body and it just like it was just so visceral and crazy and i was like yeah man (laughs) like yeah show me that because like it's it's that kind of thing that was like the show like looking to do something different and kind of take chances, whether the execution of that particular effect worked or not. And the very end, right? Oh, it's yes. the signal kind of going out into space. Yes. Just like, yes. oh. It's the end of V. Like, yeah, right. totally. And I'm just like leaning like into the TV. Just yeah. It's- no, th- that's good. Again, it's hindered by uh, guest star casting because everyone is kind of sort of mm, 
Yeah, it was uh, like TV's version of Will Patton. Yeah, as Remick, and, <laughs> and, uh, and then Quinn was like peaceful coexistence. Yeah. Here's the thing: the first 15 minutes of that show, pound for pound, Perfect. may be among the best 15 minutes of Star Trek. I agree. One hundred. I agree. care, please, if only Trila Scott. <laughs> Trila Scott. You know, I mean, just like they, they, you know, it's it's that whole thing where they're like together and they don't know who to trust. And right. I mean, you the sense of this conspiracy and Starfleet and all these people are being taken over and it could no, be somebody the, in the secret meeting. It's the end of the thing at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. It's exactly. They should have had Keith David and Kurt Russell right there. So cool. But they do have the dude from The Hills Have Eyes. So, oh, Michael Berryman. He's a yeah. great right. alien. Yeah, right. he is. He's a great alien. How great is that? Unicare, please. If only we knew. <laughs> the lack of memory. It's their weakness. <laughs> I mean, here we are 30 f- freaking years later. I could barely remember anything. But Unicare, please stays with me. Yeah, it's a great fucking. It's a great. <laughs> it's a great. It's a great. That scene is on the planetoid is so great. It's awesome. And then, you know, neutral zone. Really interesting because they were trying to tee up something which the writers guild torpedoed which were the idea that the board were scooping up these outposts along the neutral zone and they were going to come back and get into this great you know second season thing about the borg right but then that all got dropped because because they say the writer's strike strike. i don't know i mean all i know is that the ending held out so much promise you remember seeing that ending people talk about the end of best of both worlds oh that was when star trek you know, I that changed my view. It was the end of neutral zone. Yeah, awesome. we're back. My name's Diana. They sent you here to settle me down. I'm the ship's counselor. I thought you might want to talk. The local shrink. I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with that term. It doesn't matter. You're feeling profoundly sad. I can't stop crying. I I miss my sons. And then I think I'm here, but but they're gone. Donald, that, that's my husband. I love that man, but good intentions aside, he'd mess up a free lunch. Why on earth he ever decided to do this? He must have thought you would have wanted it. No, I can tell you exactly what happened. He couldn't think about going on alone. I died and he couldn't face it, so he figured he'd have me frozen, and then in his mind I wasn't really gone. Sounds crazy, but you'd have to know Donald. I wish I knew what happened to my children. Did they get married? Did they have kids? Let's see if we can find out. Computer, this is Counselor Troy. Request personal history on... What are their names? Um, Tommy, he's eight, and Eddie is five. Full names, date, and place of birth. Um, they were born in Secaucus, that's in Jersey. Can this really work? Can this tell me what's happened to them? Well, there must be a record somewhere. There's a good chance we can find it. Well, whether we do or not, I, I want to thank you for trying. 
Uh, date of birth. Tommy was born February 17th. Well, I just gotta have a little something to jumpstart the morning, a little something else to shut down the night. You have no medical need. Well, it ain't a matter of need, darling. It's a matter of survival. Sorry. Not to worry, old way Tice will scuffle along the best way he can. How'd I get hold of that fellow with the strange-looking face? I beg your pardon? What's his name, that uh, android fella? You mean Lieutenant Commander Data? That's the one. I'll let him know you're looking for him. Much obliged. You know you just about the prettiest little old doctor I ever seen. Much obliged. This is amazing. It's all right here. Ten generations of your progeny. Everyone I've ever known is dead. Uh, do you mind? I, I'd like to be alone. Not at all. We're back. Rom- I mean, great, great portent. Yeah. yeah. That I mean, speech from that Romulan commander was so good, dude. So and I good. think people don't realize because now they've seen the whole show. They know the Romulans are big. They know they have these crazy shoulder pads. They know it goes nowhere interesting. But at the time, we hadn't seen Romulans. That's right. Since for 20 years, since the Star Romulan War. And even then, all of the peace negotiations were held over subspace radio. We never saw their faces. You really hadn't seen Romulans yet since the well, since remember, Enterprise Star incident. Trek six was in was in three years. Oh, that's yeah. right. So it hadn't been since the Enterprise incident. No, yeah. yes, exactly. So and then when he says we're back, it's like holy man. Okay, now it's Star yeah. Trek. Yeah. Now we're 100%. doing Star Trek. The Romulans are back. This is gonna be good. The Federation is screwed. Look at this badass ship the Romulans have. That you know, that ain't no little bird of prey. That's like you know, a war it's a bird. bird. It's they're ready for it's war. They're going to be, hey everybody, yeah. we're back. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Hi, we're the Romulans. <laughs> and you know, I mean, it was funny because I mean, it's kind of a goofy, like it's sort of an interesting idea. Instead of Khan, who do we find is suspended animation? You know, we've done the Khan story. You know, perfect humans. They put a spin on it. We we get the opposite of perfect yeah. humans. We get a bunch of screw ups. Yeah, you know, and we get you know Gordon Gecko from Wall Street, and I, I don't remember who the other two, some country singer or something. Right, it's like right. we're gonna get us a pit woofy and build him a memory. I have no idea what that means, but I loved it. Um, <laughs> but I actually I loved that idea, and I liked that like the Gordon Gecko guy was like it kind of took the dude from the 20th century to kind of look at the Rhymelins and go, yeah, I know what's up with this guy. It's like I understand that, like you know, it's yeah, but Troy universe. couldn't figure it out. Yeah, right. exactly. Like Gordon Gecko yeah. knew. Yeah, that was awesome. I kind of like those who's guys. To know this shit. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Honestly, they should have dropped Troy and just had him on the show. As the I, I, and that's what's so interesting. Like, this is a guy who's like a, a billionaire who suddenly money doesn't matter in the future, and right. he's coming he to terms do? with that. Yeah. But yet yep. he could still read people. And it was so, I mean, you know, yeah, it's a little clunky. And he's like talking to Picard on the bridge, like, get off my bridge. But there's something there. It's like the hands of more skillful writers like Ashley Miller. It could have been <laughs> really cool. And, yeah. and again, this is what we're talking about. This is why these episodes don't suck, because there's some really interesting things going on. And in the hands of uh, Ron Moore, Renee Echeverria, Michael Pillar, these could have been really great. Yeah, you know, but the show didn't take these kind of risks later on. No, um, 
but what an ending. And again, it's like, if you watch this as, you know, you're, you, you know, you're in your twenties or thirties and you watch this later, you will never get the impact of the neutral zone, yeah, but you it can't was, possibly. we were, I think we jumped out of our chairs. I, I think, you know, because also there were no spoilers back then. You would watch That's it. True. And, true. and it came on and the Romulans came on at the end. It's like, oh, yeah, freaking Romulans. We had no idea what was coming. It wasn't like there were weeks of conversation about like, what's going to happen with the Romulans? Well, we're hearing yeah. that like, yeah, yeah, there yeah. was, there was the beginnings of the internet and there were uh, bulletin boards and I posted on a few of them. Uh, someone showed me uh, a post I think I put up on CompuServe. Uh, talking about the first few episodes of Next Generation, and uh, I was saying, "Look, just let them let them develop what they're trying to do, because uh, I, I think there are some elements that are pretty good. So just relax and don't uh, don't shoot it down so quickly." Yeah, um, I, I was in college, so I wasn't on CompuServe. I didn't have a computer uh, at that point. So well, that's uh, when you're supposed to have a computer in college. I know, and you know, it's funny. I look back at these old papers that I saved, and I'm like, you know, if I had had a a computer set a typewriter i think yeah. i could have got even better grades i had like, one of those I could have gone back too. and revise stuff i had one of those typewriters too that you typed in it and then it printed it out oh but it cool. wasn't a computer right uh, it was and, a and so i i i didn't get a computer till years later but uh anyway yeah because this was may 16th 1988 there's like two That's weeks correct. before graduation i remember this is more exciting graduation the romulus are back <laughs> i had i had just started working on the abyss oh that's wild yeah, that's so funny. I was looking forward to senior year in high school. I still can't go. believe I can't believe the abyss was not on our top 101. How did we screw that up? Well, you know why? It's because it hasn't been released on 4K mm. or even Blu-ray. You know, I, I think I think we should do a show. I think we should do a show where we go back in a couple of weeks, you know, after people have digested the whole list and talk about the movies that people are saying should have been on the list or things we think we may have missed. Um you know, and 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 kick around some of these movies that that uh, that didn't make the cut. I think that's head. a good idea. Yeah, you know, I I don't want to do it like right. You know, obviously, I want a couple of weeks to pass. Uh, at, you know, now it's finally over. Um, but I think we should. I can't believe it. it's over. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I'll tell you what else is over this episode because this was part one of season we one. Got through season one, and we're that's gonna it. Come back next week. And we're going to look at season two of Next Generation and talk about why that didn't suck. Well, that's going to be harder because that sucked a lot more than season yeah, one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, the writer's strike, but, you know, you can only blame the writer's strike so much. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I mean, I'm sure you feel this way, Ashley. If you were in Star Trek, if you knew you were on staff of Star Trek and there was a writer's strike, You'd be thinking about what you were doing. Oh, yeah. Probably, you know, very, it would be like, very deep well, we weren't able to it. think about it during the strike, you know, but now we're back and we I, don't have any ideas. I may or may not have uh, written this episode <laughs> yeah, last yeah. night. Yeah. 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 Right. When they announced the strike was over, I spent all night. Here it is. Right. Right. All I in fact, I rewrote it six times. Pages. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I always, even then, I remember it was heartbreaking when the writer strike happened. It's just like, you know, it wasn't, it didn't even premiere till November. It was a truncated season. I mean, and you just knew when the child kicked off that it was not going to be a great season. But we'll but talk remember, about that. They, and they more. had started, they had started shooting Trek five. Yeah. yeah. So there, all was, the brain, there was lots of Trek news to go around. Yeah. All, <laughs> all, all, all the thinking, the heavy thinking went into Star Trek five. Apparently, No doubt. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
but uh, we'll talk about that and maybe we can slip in some star trek 5 conversation as well um when we uh, when we get to part two next week but this was fun this is an interesting look down memory lane I, i'd love to hear what pe- people think uh out there in listener land and feel free to uh, share your thoughts with us on social at Inglorious Trek on Twitter, Inglorious Trek Spritz on Instagram, and at Inglorious Trek on Facebook. And uh, you can email us, but we're not going to give you our email. So there you go. <laughs> we're definitely not going to do that. <laughs> no, no, we're not. Um, but uh, but anyway, this is fun, and I want to thank Ashley for uh, joining us for this uh, this look back at uh, the next generation. And as always, Darren, and his unique perspective on. Uh, it's extremely unique perspective. He's, he's a few years uh, younger, That's and nice. it's 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 nice to hear uh, from. But you look younger without your beard. You look a lot you younger. You well, look hopefully like, that'll you know, hopefully like that'll when the world was new. A couple weeks. Yeah, I, I hate life without transition. my beard. But sometimes you just need a reset. You, you look like you're in your thirties. <laughs> no, no, really. I I, I hated my thirties. Did you? <laughs> I no. love my thirties. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. You know. I miss my 30s. I miss my I need my pain. No. <laughs> um anyway, you know, we're lucky yeah. because we have a very a broad listenership. So we got the youngums and we got the oldums. You know, right. we got the uh you know the grubs, the onlys and the grubs the and the onlys, yeah, listening. So um it's 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 nice because I think that the the grubs can relate to our stories about, you know, and then you have the onlys who 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 only wish that they could have experienced Star Trek the way we experienced it when we were young. We have Star Trek stories, science fiction stories about uh, aliens coming from other Do you planets. realize, I think we are older than Gene when Gene started. No, I'm thinking when Gene started work on Next Gen, how was, how no, old was he? No, he was in his, uh, I think he was in his 60s already. Oh yeah, you're right. But, but we're older than Kirk was in Star Trek too. That's speak true. for yourself. That's true, you're not. Well, yeah. you're you're coming quick, so yeah, coming yeah. in full throttle. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, well, look, this was fun, and we want to thank uh, the great Bill Ritter. Bill, um, I know I still owe you the Christmas present. It is coming. Uh, it's just Omicron has kept me away from the studio, but I have it. We bought it, and we're going to bring it to you very soon. And uh, we're so grateful to you for all that you've done, uh, keeping us sounded so great for these last. Well, I mean since we started the show, but these last two years in particular over Zoom has been crazy. And of course, uh, we want to thank Peter Holmstrom and Natalie Miscali and Zach Raggetts and everyone. It takes a village to make a track spurt. <laughs> what? Okay. Anyway, until next week with part two of why season two doesn't suck. Keep on trekking. Ingloriously, of course. You're listening to the Electric Surge Network.